Oh, hello there. Justin here from Tabletop and Beyond. Today we got a different episode for you. Uh, you'll notice that Dan and Jason didn't join me for this episode. Rather, I was joined by an excellent friend of mine, Mitch Reed from No Dice, No Glory. And we sat down to talk with him about his podcast, his blog, and what historical wargaming is. They are probably the foremost podcast on historical wargaming, in my opinion. They've got many, many, many things from Bolt Action, Team Yankee, Fire and Blood. Uh, I can't think of all the different things that we talked about. There are so many out there, and they are some of the leaders in this. So please check, check out this podcast. We hope you enjoy it. And as you listen to it, if you are interested in more historical wargaming and want more information about it, Go to NoDiceNoGlory.com. There's a blog, there's a forum, there's a podcast, there's everything that you need to know to get into that world. Have a great day, and enjoy the podcast. You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. And this is like a special show today, because... You got me. I haven't recorded in a long time, but I'm here with Justin Smith, and yeah, I, and he's going to introduce his website, and this is going to appear on both sites. So, Justin, tell us tell us about your podcast. Mitch, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Uh, we have been friends for quite a while, right? Uh, going back to when my kids started playing rugby together, and we're coaching sort of together. Oh, and, we'll get into that. We'll get yeah. Into that. So, um, yeah, anyway, we talked about doing podcasts together because we just started a podcast of our own. What's Um, it called? It's called Tabletop and Beyond. Uh, It's myself, uh, my friend Dan, and my other friend Jason, and we three get together as often as we can, and we talk about all things sort of tabletop and gaming-related um let's say we talk a lot about uh rpgs that's kind of our forte so you know we um have a guy who is probably the resident expert on the start like fantasy flight games star wars rpg and all the mechanics that go behind it um i've dm'd at gen con my buddies dm'd at gen con a couple of times you know um, i've yeah. only played an rpg once in my life and that was with, really uh, yeah, that was with uh, my buddy Sean, who's okay. been on the podcast off and on, and he got really mad at me because I said, "Let's try it. Let's try. It. I'll try it once." Because <laughs> it was really important to him. So when I wanted to name my character, yeah, I, I wanted to use a juggalo name. So it was, <laughs> it came out as Thugnuts Killer, <laughs> and he got so mad at me. And um, was this D and D like classic it, stuff? It was D and D, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I got the player's handbook here, but unlike all my other books, it's turned backwards. Oh, so when people come, yeah, I don't get asked. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's a different side of tabletop gaming, you know. And it so, is. so um, you know, we have tons of RPG experience that we talk about. But the thing is, is that my buddy Jason and I, we have gotten into playing a lot of war gaming. Well. I wouldn't say a lot of war game, but we've gotten into playing Age of Sigmar um, for Warhammer stuff. And like we went out to Las Vegas Open earlier this year. I did not know that. Yeah. I could have introduced you to a lot of uh, people I know out there. Uh, see, I, and I didn't know you were out there either. See, this I is wasn't a problem. out there. But, oh, oh, okay, okay, yeah. I got you. All right. <laughs> but I know people out there. Yeah, so we, um, we were, I was out there for LVO. Uh, 
you know, I mean, I played Nova Open last year. I played 11 games in, in three days, which was a little too much, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but it, I, it was a lot. But you know what? I had so much fun doing it. And um, I'm kind of spoiled in that one of the best competitive scenes in the United States is actually here in the Northern Virginia area. There's some really, really good players. And they sort of sucked me right up into their community. And so I've been doing a lot of wargaming. Probably, I'd say, more wargaming than RPG. RPG. Yeah. I mean, I've sort of transitioned a little bit. And well, uh, um, let's not tell yeah. Wizards of the Coast that. Exactly. <laughs> so we've, um, you know, we've explored a lot of different systems. Um, you know, I've been playing like a Rogue Trader, which is a 400, or sorry, a Warhammer 40K RPG. Right. And, um, you know, we've been trying a lot of different systems. And so we thought, let's get together and talk about all of these different systems because it seems like the, you know, 800-pound gorilla in the room is Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and & Dragons. But there's a lot of other good out there. There's a lot there's of other interesting so things. much good. Yeah. So, so you bring, so, you bring yeah. up two amazing points, which I'm going to hash out right away. All right, one, let's do is, it. one is, you know, and I tell people this. So when I got into X-Wing. Yep. This is the worst place to get into Star Wars X-Wing. Why? <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because you have some of the best players in the country here. It's so and true. It's so true. You by losing a lot. You know, you it's funny because our uh, buddy Dan, the other, you know, the third leg of the uh, stool, cool. is um, <laughs> he's the um, X-Wing player. And he played at Nova Open. And he's like, dude, the guys out here are just so good. They're so good. You know, so you know, yeah. the last time I played X Wing, and this was version one, uh -huh. was at Nova Open, but it was with all those narrative scenarios. It turned me oh, off right. the game. But you know, under quarantine, which is another thing we should get to, I, uh, you know, I already had 2.0. I'm mm -hmm. a first order Empire guy because I don't think the Empire did anything wrong. We'll get to that <laughs> later. Um, so I up upgraded my set. I love Armada, but you know, yeah. here, this is. You you don't have to take a two day trip to Indianapolis right. to play really good players here. Absolutely, which is good. It's also bad. We had a monthly tournament going on pretty regularly last year, and even up into the quarantine, where like you know twelve to sixteen guys, sometimes twenty, would show up to a little tournament. That's a little tournament with Age of Sigmar, you know. Yeah, and you're talking about like those guys represent the top. 20% of uh, Nova opened. Yeah. And you know, it's, <laughs> you know, what, uh, which is you. out of 200 guys and they will eat you, but you know what? Cast in the fire and get better, man. You know, yeah. like get good is what they like to tell me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I always get people like, well, I really want to learn this game, but you know, I, I want to practice before I go to a tournament. Yeah. And I'm like, no. And I'll tell you why, if, if you're comfortable with the rules, you go and you say, hey, I'm a baby seal. I'm here to learn the game. It, to me, I think that that's how I learned a lot of games that I play. Um, you know, you read the rules, you read the rules. But I mean, I, I think players, most part, are very nice. Now, I know yeah. when you get into some of the fantasy games, they're not. Uh, but for historicals, the other interesting oh, point interesting. to bring up yeah. okay. is that there's so many great games out there. Well, right. I may be up until our current uh, situation now. We'll we'll get to that. This is the golden age of gaming. There's so many great games so out true. there. And I was telling somebody the other day, like, I don't have time to pick up another game. Like, I just picked up um, Test of Honor, which is an amazing game. And I think uh -huh. I told you about my samurai. 
Still unpainted. You, right? Yes. Still unpainted after three weeks of quarantine. I just painted the faces this week. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, it's yeah, very slowly. Um, but there's so many great games. So it's like if you pick up another game, well, what am I going to give up? Because you only have so much time. Right. And speaking of painting, you're a pretty good painter. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I, you know what? So here's the funny thing about my little war gaming story, right? Which is that um, I was running an RPG called Shadow of the Demon Lord, and it was written by a guy named Rob Schwalb, and he did a lot That's of work. A great for, name. It is That's right. A, that is he, such a great name. <laughs> yeah, he did a lot of work for D and D Five E as sort of a freelancer when they came out with the new system when they moved from four to five, uh, fourth to fifth edition, right? So his name's like all in the credits, and he's got like several pages that he wrote in that thing. And he um, came up with his own system, which is, it's like a D&D, it's a, you know, you use your D20 to roll and stuff like that. But I'll tell you what, the mechanics are so stripped down and so easy to use that you could literally pick up anybody off the street and say, let's play a game. And by the end, they're rolling dice like crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's I just a sign of a good game. I think oh, that's yeah. a sign of a really good game that people pick it up. Because, you know, the yeah. bottom line of why we play these things, maybe it's a little secret we shouldn't let it out, is to have fun. What? Shocker. <laughs> it's a shocker. Uh, now, not doesn't mean every time we go out and play, it's fun, but, you know, it, you yeah. just have to have a good time. So what did yeah. you get into first? Did you get into the the painting and the, the artistry of it, the model modeling side, yeah. or was the games that drew you first? So, so let, let me just pull the thread through on that uh, thing I was saying is, so I was running this RPG, right? And it had like some really great monsters in there, and I was using sort of um, some some models to simulate the you know the battles that we were going through on a little battle mat that I had, you know. And um, I'm like, I need some good models to represent the monsters that they're fighting. I need some orcs. I need some, um, you know, I need some wolves. I need some crazy, you know, monster type things. And and I, I this is this is crazy. This is two two years ago, two and a half years ago. Yeah. Someone said, "Well, just go get some GW models." And I'm like, "What's GW?" Not kidding. Yeah, that's, I said, uh... "What's what's GW?" I don't even know what you're talking. They're like Games Workshop. So I googled it, and I'm like, "What is this place?" <laughs> you know they what I mean? Because I didn't grow up playing. Oh, dude, I did. I I never grew up playing Warhammer. I mean, I remember seeing the stores in the malls when I was like a kid. You know? Yeah. What are like, they doing? I don't know. What are those nerds doing? Little did I know, right? So um, so I ended up going in the store and getting a couple boxes. I got some Chaos Warriors, which are like just classic, like barbarian-looking dudes with shields and axes, you know, and fur capes and really cool-looking models. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to start painting these. So I started painting them, and they were for the game. And, man, I'll tell you what, the painting became my zen zone. You yeah. know, like I had a long day at work. I'll just go paint for an hour or two. And I mean, I'll tell you what, I slept like a baby that night, you know, and it just, I could listen to some music or listen to a podcast and just kind of let it all out as I just focused on trying to paint little tiny eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, so, I mean, this is not a therapy show, yeah. but let's, let's pretend it is. So I went to, um, HMGS's fall in last November. Okay. And, you know, I didn't buy a lot there. Mm hmm. But, you know, since then I got into Test of Honor, I did not paint for four straight months. And even oh, no. now, getting into painting my sixth rate and all the ships from Oak and Iron, 
I had to force myself into it. I noticed that it's maybe I'm not stressed out anymore. Yeah. And I don't need the painting, but that kind of bothered me. I don't know if it was, you know, I mean, we have a big test coming this week. My uh, fire starter kits from Firelock. Okay. Um, the Braves, the uh, Indian Hunters, that's what they're yeah. called. Sorry, yep. folks. Uh, the Canadians, they're coming this week. I'm curious to see how quick I'll jump on them. But like I said this weekend, we're, and this is Memorial Day today, I said, you know, I'm going to jump all over and paint like a fiend this weekend. Nah, I, I really didn't. <laughs> and, and I don't know. It's I, I got to find my mojo back again. Yeah. So I don't know what what to do. So, you know, it's interesting, too, because I started painting out, like, just picking up little individual models. I got some D&D models and painted those. And, you know, painting one-off models is a lot different than painting an army, you know. And True. going through and being like, okay, now i got to dry brush my 100th skeleton model. You're just like, oh, my gosh, please kill me. When is this going to end? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Versus, you know, you know, taking your time on one kind of centerpiece model. So... I, it, there's a balance there. I mean, I'm painting my army of orcs that I they just got a couple months ago, and um, you know, I'm kind of slugging through them a little bit, being like, okay, well, here I'm painting more black, just because I need to, and and you know, it's not great. So, so I started painting these these models from GW, and I would watch painting videos of you know people like, hey, this is how you do this technique, this is how you do that technique. And a lot of those same people, um, I don't know. Have you heard of Vince Venturella? Of course. Of course. Who hasn't, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's kind of the godfather of like hobbying, uh, sort of in the in the thing. And and uh, anyway, I'm I'm watching him do this, and I notice he has a podcast, Warhammer Weekly, which talks about like rule sets and different you know trends. And as I'm of course watching his painting videos, those videos start popping up in my feed. So I start listening to those as I'm painting because why not? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to start playing this game. So about a year and a half ago, um, I said, I'm going to get into this. I got a ghost army, the Night Hunt faction, built it out, painted it. Um, I love them. And this it is all Age of Sigmar, right? All Age of Sigmar, yeah. And um, then I played that. My goal was, I said, I want to stick with this army, good or bad, you know, like however well it performs for one full year. And that was the... Are you familiar with the ITC year in Warhammer? I heard about it. So but you also the, you also deluded yourself. I am going to stick with one army for a year. Yeah. So All well, right. yeah. Can we do one of these. Mitch, please. Nobody <laughs> does that and you know that, man. It's like, yeah. So Flames of War. I'm just going to do Canadians. Right. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, look so, what I have now. So I did. I stuck with this army. Now, I did not stick with the same build. So I just ended up buying more and more Night Hunt models, right? So I've got, like, the full set. When I say the full set, I've got the full set of Night Hunt models, you know? But I stuck with them for one year. I really did um, because I wanted to, you know, play it. And the ITC is the what's called the independent tournament circuit. And it's you sort of get points as you, like, do tournaments. And then, like, the full year, you see who gets the most points and who, quote-unquote, won the year. You know what I mean? So there's so, no championship. Um, it's not a playoff championship, per se. Um, but what usually ends up coming down is the LVO is the end of the ITC season. Yeah. yeah. And usually the top players are vying for those points in that tournament to, you know, make the difference. So it, that sort of ends up becoming the championship. 
Um, and uh, anyway, I stuck with it for a year. I switched to Orcs and uh, have been playing with them. I've been playing a lot of Tabletop Simulator with them. Tabletop uh, Simulator. It's another I, thing we're going to have to talk about. It's great. So, so yeah. So let's, let's talk about why we're playing Tabletop Simulator. And let's talk about what's going on. Yeah. Because everybody, you know, this is like no kidding, guys. But uh, <laughs> Gen Con was canceled uh, last uh, this past week. I'll tell you what, I've got some friends, uh, Jason and Dan in particular, that are pretty bummed out about it. Yeah, for out. a lot of gamers, I get it. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of good tournaments out there. Yeah. You know, we have Nova Open coming up in September. Uh, that's iffy. That's uh, iffy. <laughs> well, they canceled Historicon. I mean, it's, and then, you know, uh, NashCon just opened up where you can buy tickets for NashCon. Just yeah. hit our, hit our, no dice, no glory. You can find uh, some things for NashCon, but it's like, well, who's running a Flames of War tournament? And a lot of our guys are like, I, I'm not going to head down there if uh, nothing's going on. One guy has family coming in, you know. So it's yeah. nobody wants to commit either. Yeah, we may not see another tournament, dude, for another year. You know, do you think, do you think that's yeah. going to hurt the hobby? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, you know what's interesting is I asked. Um, so there was a we've got our own little Discord server for um, kind of our Guild Nine Gaming is our little gaming group here in Northern Virginia, and there was probably like eight guys that were planning to go to Gen Con, right? And um, I asked all of them. I said, you know, let's say Gen Con said, "Hey, the numbers are looking fine, right? Um, we look like we're pulling out of this thing. We're still gonna have it." I asked him, I said, let, you know, theoretically, let's say that happens and like, or that would have happened. Would you guys still have gone? Like, they uh, I would say 75% of them said no. You know, yeah. they said, well, I just don't want to, I just don't want to risk it. And, and granted, I think, you know, Gen Con sort of on the edge of like, let's say if things were getting like super better, Gen Con would have sort of been on the edge of it, you know, like a right. tournament that's in December might be a completely different story. We just don't know, you know. We just don't know, and so let, let's let's pull the thread through, like you're saying. There, let's say there's no more tournaments for the rest of the year. Does that hurt the hobby? Um, gosh, I think in some aspects it does, in some aspects it doesn't. And All I right. Think, I think the I think, key is tabletop simulator. So that might be our segue. So, so you say <laughs> that? No, but you say that, and you yeah. know, I remember with WWPD, I would cover the different um, cousins of games uh -huh. or gamers and, you know, board games, that's guys usually play board war games are not miniatures players. Right. Uh, historical miniatures players aren't fantasy miniatures players. Right. Um, some people live for the tournament. I love going to tournaments. And let's be honest, even when we went before there was COVID-19, I guys would always get sick the week after because we're not the most hygienic. We bunch. call it the con crud. The con crud. Yeah, you get but, con crud from just being out there, right? But, you know, here's my thing. And this is, I'm going to loop back. Maybe I didn't, I wasn't so into painting my ninjas, not ninjas, but I'm not, I'm not running a ninja army. Um, Steve, <laughs> um, I, maybe I wasn't into it because there was, there was nothing pushing me saying, oh, you're going to play in two weeks or you're going to play in a month. I mean, that. A lot of painting is based on, well, I'm going to go use it in two weeks. I did more painting in the three weeks uh, building up to the Nova Open than I did in the six months beforehand. Yeah. 
just to get it ready, you know, and I, and I had a certain standard. I, I think my stuff was pretty much ready, but I'm like, I want it to be tabletop plus standard anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of wanted to be recognized. So, I mean, I was painting like the Dickens. My wife is like, every night you're down here doing this stuff. And I'm just like, I've got a tournament. Leave me alone. Well, I know your wife. <laughs> She's kind of a saint. But, you know, <laughs> so there's that old thing, you know, it's like really well-painted models play better. But look, I may not, I may not win any games. Right. And make it, I may not win any games, but I'll have the best painted army out there. So it kind of, it's like a Zen thing. It equals out. Um, my stuff is average painted and uh, I lose a lot. So, okay. All right. Uh, I guess I'm screwed. <laughs> but yeah. Room for what are you playing? <laughs> what are you playing on Tabletop Simulator? You know and what? I, oh, yeah. Go, will, go it, ahead. will it replace face to face gaming? All right, so these are super good questions. I am playing. We tend to we tend to ask them one per show. <laughs> fair enough. That, fair enough. That is something you guys should do too at Tabletop and Beyond. At, at least one super good question per show. Got it. Yeah. Noted. Um, all right. So the first question is: Will it replace? Um, well, what am I? What what am I playing? That's the first one, right? What am I playing on here? Um, I am actually in a tournament right now for Age of Sigmar. And it's a week-long tournament, and we have two days to get each round done. And basically, they'll pair you up like we normally do with pairings at a tournament, right? We've got the Best Coast Pairing app that we use for Warhammer mm -hmm. tournaments. And um, and so we got a BCP uh, tournament thing going on. And I was paired up last night, and I pinged the guy. I'm like, hey, I'm free tonight uh, or tomorrow night if you want. Or I guess it was Tuesday night. And um, let's play. And he said... Yeah, dude, let's do it. Let's just do it tonight. And so we got sat down and we played a game and, you know, barely skinned out a victory of, of that one. And, you know, we'll be moving on to round two on, on Wednesday. And listen, man, I played a dude in the Bay Area. And I may be playing a dude in Pittsburgh, another dude out in Colorado. And some of these guys are the, like, you want to talk about, like, in the Nova area was the maybe top 20% right. of the Nova Open. These guys are the top 5% of the Nova Open that are in this tournament. And so I am expanding my own gaming abilities by playing on Tabletop Simulator because I would have never had access to these really great players. Now, we're all treating it sort of as casual competitive, right? We're bringing, like, maybe not our strongest tournament lists right? because we're all trying some different things, and, um, you know, we're able to play. I've also been playing some board games that I have never like none of my friends ever had and here they are available on tabletop simulator i played um games workshops blackstone fortress right um which was a really fun game i i really enjoyed it and it was one of those that i said huh you know like if i see the price right on it i'll pick it up because i enjoyed it that much um we found some really cool card games that we could play and we you know what i like about tabletop simulators i can sit down in my basement i've got my computer going and i'm playing but there, there, there's a moment in the game that you're playing with your friends that you stop forgetting that you're playing on a computer and you're just playing the game, right? And yeah, sometimes the the physical mechanics are a little wonky about moving pieces around and stuff like that. But you know what? You get over it quickly and you end up having a great time. And yeah. so I played a lot of stuff. Do I think that it will ever replace it? I well, think not it's replace. Become, I think it's going to become the microwave of gaming. Do you know what I mean? That, like, it's not going to replace the snow. And do you, so the interesting thing is this. I've talked to a lot of the Age of Sigmar guys, and these are some of the top guys. And we said, we're going to keep playing Tabletop Simulator because now we can go in and play 
um, lists, army lists that we would never try because we're not going to go out and buy all the models just to see it fail on the table. Well, you know, which is a good so, point. Yeah, I, I didn't mean replace, and that probably was a bad word, but it's okay. So, like the other day with my uh, with uh, Paolo, who's on our mm-hmm. site, amazing painter, he taught me DBA on tabletop. And then okay. with the guys from the Lead Pursuit podcast, because I always got to drop them some love, um, I played Jet Age with them. Um, they're developing the game, and they're they're using uh, Tabletop Simulator to do that. Okay. We, have an, we have an Oak and Iron tournament going on. Um, now, for a game that's only supposed to take roughly an hour to play, uh, my first game against um, another, um, like uh, Tom Gall, who's also from uh, NDNG, it took us almost four hours. Right. So it's a lot of it's getting used to those mechanics and the hot keys and all that stuff and making oh, sure you yeah. don't accidentally flip the table. And I miss face to face gaming. I, I do too. I do. But Listen, I don't want to give somebody a disease. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's what we're all saying, right? And and um, listen, all of us are saying we don't think that this will, like, we all say this is not like the real thing. I mean, being across from somebody and shaking their hand and saying, let's have a good game and literally moving the, moving the models and being able to kind of like look around and, you know, joke with your friend face to face. And social and aspect that. is yeah. totally different. It is. And it's, it's important. I mean, we, we do play the games to have fun and that's a big part of having fun. Now, can we use this as sort of a test area or maybe hone our skills against a guy who's across the country? Yeah. And I think this oh, is yeah. opening possibilities that weren't there before. Cause you know, what's interesting is I played, so steam had a deal on tabletop simulator early April and I picked it up for $7 and 50 cents. Yeah. Some of us paid full price. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. $7 and 50 cents. But you know what though? I was thinking about it, how much I've been using it and I'm like, I still would have paid full price and never regretted it. So one thing I'm seeing is, and just as for the folks out there, I'll never play a PC game. Guys, gals, it, it, TTS, Tabletop Simulator, is not a PC game. It's not. It's not. It is a virtual way to play miniatures yep. or board war games um, that you can play. You can save the game. You can come back. There's a lot of aspects to it. That's a really where, cool feature, too. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's kind of what we have now. For what I'm seeing now is, and this was a discussion Doug and I had yesterday, it, it, you look at games like Blood Red Skies, a lot of people probably were, it just, hey, it's not my thing. But, you know, they're kind of looking around TTS to see right. what's available to play. Yep. And I think this will help them, the companies that is, uh, drive up sales, I hope, yep. because they could test stuff out. You could test armies out like the other night after Paolo taught me DBA. Uh-huh. I was looking to buy a DBA army and I slapped myself in the head saying, what am I doing? <laughs> um, because who knows? And, and it's it's a wildly popular game. The- so, yeah, I think it cuts both ways a little bit, right? Like, um, on one hand, I, I totally agree with you. I'm trying out new games and I'm like, I like this game. I like this game a lot. And I can see myself buying it. And I don't know if I would have had the courage to drop $100 on or or $200 on a starter set for that, thinking, I don't know if I'm ever going to like it or play it, you know what I mean, um, without trying it first. So I think that that's one way. I will tell you this, though. I, I played an orc list that um, I wanted to try, and that list would have cost me at least $600 
just in like the little like a portion of the army, right? Really expensive list, and I hated it. I hated that list. So you saved some money. I saved some money, right? But I mean, me saving money means that it didn't go into GW's pocket either, you know. So, um, so but, but it know. doesn't mean that you're not going to try to find a list. That's right. Or an army and build an army. Now that um, you know some other army, and I think that's the thing, devs out there. And I know you guys listen yeah. to this. It's if you're thinking TTS is going to cut into your profits, you know, maybe for one or two gamers. I think the majority of gamers will go out, will test this virtually because it's so much easier than yeah. hitting a store. Even if there was no COVID nineteen, you just like you said, you played a guy in San Francisco. Yeah. We could go do that. I could test the list against a good player. We could talk about it, non-competitive environment. Yep. But I am looking now like, okay, folks that sell Ancients or whatever DBA is, but yeah. it's not Ancients, but Renaissance, whatever. I am going on and I am looking at buying an army based upon how well they play because I'm testing it out. Right. There's no way to test out an army. There's no way to test out a rule system. You know, you can't say, yeah, I painted it. Here, my pages are all dog-eared. I want a refund, but yeah. you can use these tools. I think games like TTS, and, and I'm not even going to get into board war gaming with Vassal, because that's a different animal. You know, yes, our, most of our folks are miniatures players. I think that TTS, games like it, I think is a new way to go. And I always said, like, there's certain things our community needs to do that, you know, look what Fantasy Flight did with uh, list building. You need yep. the app. You need yeah. the app. Right. Um, I always thought the combination of games that use app, apps and miniatures, just like I have a copy of uh, U-Boot here, which you need an app to play. I yep. think that was the future. Everybody has these phones. Now let's look at what we've gone through for the last three months. Yeah. I would say that some smart devs out there will figure a really good way out to maximize the uh, playability, enjoyability, as well as widen the aperture for who's yeah. playing their games. Um, game devs aren't like that. They see like, well, if they're not paying anything for that, it's money out of my pocket. Oh, right, right. Yeah, you may, uh, maybe not. You know, there's there's an interesting aspect that I just thought about as you were talking. Um, so I tried that orc list. Uh, it, it was a brute list, right? These brutes are $50 for five in a box, and I had 40 of them running in there, right? Which is why there was like 400 bucks or something like that. Anyway. Um, it was maybe I didn't do the math. Anyway, I had a bunch of brutes. It was going to cost like $400. I ran the list. I didn't like it. And so I didn't run it. Um, I think that if people are trying the lists and then, you know, as a game developer, you're saying, wait a minute, why aren't people buying these brutes? Why aren't people buying more of these models? How come they're always moving towards another set of, of, of models all the time? Why is that? Could it be that maybe your rules around them are broken? You know what I mean? Okay. Like it okay. didn't it didn't work well enough that people are so excited to try that list because I guarantee you, I know people that will pay through the like I mean through the roof cash hand over fist to get a very good competitive list if they know that it works. Price is not problem to them. You know what I mean? There are some yeah. armies that are so expensive and people will do it because they know it can win and they know that it's competitive and so. Maybe that could be another indicator for game developers of like, hey, look, people are testing this out, you know, virtually, and they're not buying the models. Do we need to relook at that rule set and make that maybe a little bit more competitive? And I know in the board game realm, and now you know with the uh, Jet Age Blood Red Skies guy, 
it's also a good way to get a beta test yeah. of your mechanics. Oh, and man. I, yeah. And I think that is, you know, I think that you'll have a role for this type after all this ends. Yeah. You know, we have all these these tournaments like, you know, maybe use that as part of the game. But I think to test out concepts, um, because you just look at the time suck of, hey, do you have a table available? Let's set up the terrain. Let's oh, yeah. try this where, you know, in Tabletop Simulator, you can you can knock the table over. There's a lot of fun stuff. But, I, you know, I'm really recommending it to people. And I notice that as this is dragging on, I am starting to get more folks kind of, yeah, let me try it out. Um, and it scratches the itch so bad. It does. You know, and then, it, uh, you know, let's look at, let's look, because I'm in front of my computer as you are. And, um, there's 20,000 games and mods. Dude, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. It I, found, I found some great games on there that I have yet to try that I've, I've been dying to. And listen, when, you know, I played a game at 9 p.m. last night. When can you do that at the hobby store? Nope. And right? it's not just miniatures games. I'm pulling up right. the, the most subscribed games. Uno, Cards Against Humanity, Catan, yeah. Fallout, yeah. Clue. Uh, you know, it says see all 35,000 games. And there's so many games, even like kids yeah. games. Oh, yeah. And, and I'll say this too, though. And this is a bit of a plug for Tabletop Simulator. So they have um, their DLC right? Which are sort of the officially sponsored right. um, games on there. And I picked up Zombie Side for $7. I love that game. I've played it several times. It's a great game. It's a great game. And I'm like, for $7 and I can play with six of my, you know, like five other of my best friends, like, let's do it. And what's cool about those DLC games that sometimes do or do not happen in the mods is that those games are very well scripted, right? So it'll say like, choose your mission and you just like click a button and the whole table is set up immediately all the pizzas are out all the things are distributed right and you don't have to pull anything out of a virtual box and set it up it'll you just click a button and it'll do it for you so and, let's explain that to people too yeah. that don't know tts yep do you still need the rules of dba to play dba online yeah you do yep. yeah you, you need do. to know how to play the game yes yeah now can you play it against ai no there's no ai you play against right. an opponent it is it is everything a miniatures game is, except that it's virtual. Um, yeah. So when you, you talk about stuff that's scripted, it is how many game mechanics are they putting into the system so you can move your army and it, there's already a tool that measures it. Yeah. It is, or the dice roller that everybody has. It's some some guy did that one dice roller. You put the die on it. You, you say how yeah. many you're going to roll and you hit it. Like those are scripted things within the game or in oak and iron you hit a four the ship moves speed four uh, these things are all in the game that's awesome it is you know how that stuff's scripted so i just think that there's going to be a role for this in the future i think this is the I way do. in my opinion that that game companies should do um one um play testing two maybe a little market research yeah but there's so much here Oh, look, you know, a game that I recommend to everybody, The Captain is Dead is in here. Yeah. By Asmodee. And I have that. So, you know, you still need the rules with you to play these games. But, folks, TTS, Tabletop Simulator, it's on Steam. Um, I could throw a link when this thing hits. 
um, try it. Like magic is in here. There's just so much in here. So much. How, so how much? much? It's there's so much, and I haven't seen anything that's not free. Now here, um, yeah. Zombicide, no yeah, DLC. Get, yeah. How do you yeah. find the paid stuff though? So the paid stuff is in DLC, right? That's yeah, the but how do I pull up pull up DLCs? Um, if you go to the um, homepage of the Tabletop Simulator, yeah, right, I'm there. It's the store page. Oh, it's um, under the store then, page. Yep, yep. Not the All community right. page. And so when you go to the store page, you'll say like buy Tabletop Simulator. It's right now it's twenty dollars, which I think is worth every single penny by the way and then underneath it you've got um 42 games that you can get um oh wow so yeah and some of them are great like they have scythe they have like scythe oh super fight yeah you ever play that with your kids i've never played that one oh uh we have it i lend it to people patrick loves it um you know we know each other's kids because we used to coach rugby together uh-huh. So we know each other's families quite a bit, but uh, your guys will love it. It is funny. It is. And I interviewed the guys at Gen Con last time I went yeah. uh, that came up with the game. And it's like you pick like a a card that's a person like yeah. Justin Bieber. And then you pick two other cards or three cards and you pick like one special power and then you just draw one from the deck. So it could be. Justin Bieber leading an army of tweens that shoots holy water out of his eyes against like um, I think you know one of the others was like Wonder Woman with like a wooden leg, and it really just gets kids to debate and argue because there's oh, no right. real winner. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's but oh, I've heard fun. of this one. I've totally heard of this one. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. I even have the adult deck, which. Don't uh, you and I can play them? It's fine, um, but you know these games here. Yeah. Here's Captain is Dead, which is an awesome game, which I'm gonna pick up. It's uh, five ninety nine. I mean, but can once you beat again, that? like, what was that? Can you can beat you... that price? I mean, like, no, you, you got to pick up these games, and they're gonna be thirty dollars minimum. Most of these, right? Blood Rage is, uh, you know, a $40 game from uh, Cool Minis or not. It's $8 on Tabletop Simulator. And, by the way, the ho- only the host needs to have the game, which means that not everybody has to buy that. So if I picked up Blood Rage and um, you, I invited you and three other buddies to come play that with me, you can just jump into my game. I've got the game. So you only one person needs to buy it. So with my friends, we've been rotating on, like, if somebody buys something – like okay, you pick up a game this time, and uh, you know then you pick up a game. Wingspan's a hot hot game right now. Um, we they apparently they were demoing that at uh, Gen Con last year. Well, you know there won't be any Gen Con this year, which nope. is going to get into an interesting um, fact. I think one thing that these cons were good for was releases, was demos, especially Gen Con. Right. Um, it was great to market games. If I, I picked up a uh, zombicide yep. from a game that it's weird. Like I ended up liking the guy, talked to him. It, the guy talked so fast, but I bought the game anyway. Um, but he was there to push the game. These guys are not going to have those outlets. No. And then pushing the games to stores. Now it's, well, look, you know, if somebody's going to call up a store for a game. They're not going to say, Hey, tell me what's a good game that features 
you know, post-apocalypse. Yeah. They're not. It is. I think. I think the smaller gamers, it's going to hurt. Yeah, you know what? You know what might be an interesting um, kind of compromise is if they could come on to Tabletop Simulator and sort of develop their scripted game and put it on as a as a DLC download. You know, for even if it's like five bucks or something like that. And then if somebody ordered the game for them, you get a free, you know, coupon for their, their game or something that you can play on, on Tabletop Simulator as well. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it's going to be tough. I, I, think, I think the releases are hard. It's interesting uh, you speak of releases. Um, Games Workshop just came out with a big release this week, and it was um, they're announced, they announced the ninth edition of Warhammer 40K. And that it was all something that wouldn't be done normally at a con or a big tournament. Um, they decided to do it all virtually and they've been announcing armies that are almost done. So like at the Nova open, right? Wednesday night is Warhammer night before the Thursday tournament starts. Right. And that, um, that is where you go at 7 PM and they do all of their big release type stuff. They have like a big seminar and unveiling of new models and talking about the new campaigns. All that's gone, but they've started doing it virtually now, and they've been they've been ratcheting it up, you know, through their YouTube channel, through their Facebook stuff. They're saying, "Hey, virtual, you know, the virtual reveal is about to happen," and they've been putting a lot of you know social media fanfare into it. And I've been surprised, man. There's a lot of people tuning in live to watch these things be unveiled. They have to, you know, look. uh, we're just one step uh, up from heroin addicts as far yeah, as, as far true. as behavior patterns. So our drug is gray plastic. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. And you know, you can't say you don't get a little high off sniffing those fumes. Um, there's something that, that the devs, the community has to step up and do these things. Yep. And I think the, the companies that are embracing this, I think are going to be in a better position. And then, you know, how do you leverage this in the future? I just think that, this was a good step. Yeah. And I think from listening to us for the last half hour or so, it should be clear to everybody. This is by no means a replacement, right? But this is a great way to test and play. And if you buy it for, for 19.99 and you don't find a game in there, you want to play. Um, there's something wrong with you. There, there has to be something in there that you want to play. So, so I'm excited. To, yeah, I want to get back to your kind of one of your questions and maybe kind of close this uh, topic down a little bit. But yeah. one of your original questions was, do I think that the coronavirus lockdown is going to hurt the hobby? And we've talked about a way to mitigate that through Tabletop Correct. Simulator. But I don't know if we really truly answered that question. Which I don't is, think do there's I, an answer for it. I don't know either. I don't, I know, don't either. know either. I'll tell you this, you know. The one of the reasons, and you said that you know seventy five percent of the people you asked didn't go, yeah, is that gone, right. now you do mostly fantasy type games. It's a younger yeah. crowd and historical miniatures, which we'll get to talking next. It's an older crowd, <clears throat> and I like you know even the guys I argue with online, I love them. Yeah, I love them. I love seeing them. I would hate to go to a game event. Right. And have them get sick. Now, many years ago, and there was a guy I uh, who asked me to play doubles. I knew from local stores. His name was John Stid. He he got the flu a couple of years ago from um, uh, right after falling. He got the con crud, passed away. No and, way. Yeah. 
Yeah, wow. he's a great guy. Um, you know, every time I saw him, always talk. Now, we didn't win very many games because he likes to charge with Stugs, but that's a totally different story. But, you know, I feel bad because if I was a little sick, I didn't see him. I wasn't at that con. Right. Which is, yeah, sure he wasn't. Um, you know, I would hate to cause that with somebody else. And right. then hopefully somebody else with me. So will it? I don't know. I know guys are buying stuff still. Yeah. yeah. Um, now is a good time to start a new army. Um, right. Maybe pick up a new game and maybe use a thing like TTS to kind of help you out. Yep. But I don't know if it's going to hurt. Um, I think it's going to hurt the stores. I hate to say it. I We're lucky. So we got about five or six stores from the Baltimore, West Virginia, Fredericksburg, Northern Virginia area. Yeah. Um, I hope they're all there when this ends. Yeah. I mean, I went to Huzzah probably the first like week that things were starting to lock down. And they, yeah, I mean, they were still running stuff. Yeah. They were like limiting store access and all that stuff, which is totally understandable. Right. And, um, but you know, I, I ran in cause I was running low on paint and I'm glad that they were still open cause I needed that paint real bad because, you know, painting an army, you can't change shade halfway through. No, <laughs> cannot know? change shade. So, so, um, anyway, you know, I, I know that they sort of kind of resumed doing sort of curbside pickup type stuff or limiting the amount of people in the store. But yep. man, I'll tell you what, like, you know, my friends and I have talked about doing a game store for years and years and years and like what that would take. That's and a the, totally different show. And we can have yeah. a special guest that would totally talk you out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I and I don't doubt it because every time we come to it, we say you have to diversify it. Right. You have to you can't just sell games and expect that to, you know, see you through the store type of thing. And um, these stores can't diversify now. They can't sell food. They can't sell drinks. They can't sell, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that, the, they can't do tournaments and events that would help draw in a lot of people. So I think they're going to be hurting bad. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that it doesn't affect it. But listen, even if let's say that tomorrow in our area, all of a sudden we were they're They're like, Oh, all clear. Everybody go ahead and open up. I, I just don't think people will go back anyway. I think they'd be a little, you know, a little concerned about it. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but once again, it's let's just hope for the best. But yep. message out there, message B. If you if you're writing this, I know most of you guys are painting while you're listening. Yep. Take down your second note after one. Check out TTS two. Support your local game stores. Yep. I say this all the time because you know you complain about it all the time, but when it's not there, oh you'll, yeah, you'll you'll have nothing to complain about, and that's the worst thing that can ever happen to a gamer. There used to be a totally. great store in Woodbridge, and it shut down. Yeah, it, um, and, game parlor. Yep, exactly. And now there's a guild gaming store, and it's it's pretty good. Um, but you know, I work up in Chantilly, so the one that's you know the one that's sort of been my go to has been Huzzah. Up Chris Hune, big. Uh, we're big supporters of him. We love Chris. Yep. Um, you know, Chris is one guy that kind of does it right um it's a great store yep so, so um yeah it's it's just a different it's going to be different I, and i and i hope we can you know make it through it so yeah so yeah. what do we want what do we talk about next um so yeah i mean we're dual sort of dual podcasting with this stuff you know and um i wanted to get a little bit of flavor of what no dice no glory meant for my listeners 
you know, and um, some of the historical wargaming that you do, because I've run into you at Nova Open, um, you know, and you were doing a bunch of stuff with Warlord, and then you were also doing a bunch of the stuff with the, um, uh, just slipped my mind, it's the uh, the 17th century, or I guess 18th century pirate stuff, right? Blood and Plunder? Blood, blood and Plunder, yep. So let me uh, ask you a question. Yeah. Let's, let's pretend this is a, a cult. Okay. You're you're a diehard RPG fantasy player. Okay. Yes, I what am. What can I what can I do to get you into a period historical miniatures war game? All right. What would so, you need? What would you need? What would you the game need to have? Oh, what would the game need to have for me? Um All right. So so let let me give a little preface to this, right? Um, I've actually hit you up on Facebook a couple of times and, you know, the private messaging thing telling you that I've been into the Great War pod, uh, YouTube series, right? Amazing. With, oh, the dude, it's amazing. So good. So good. And so I'm sitting here going like, wow, you know, I mean, I never really understood sort of this, the exploits of, you know, the French troops at Verdun or, you know, just the, you know, um, uh, McEnroe in in you know Russia and stuff like that, and so I'm sitting here going like, wow, like all of these all these these different sort of armies and settings and campaigns. So I, to be honest with you, like I have an inkling for like a World War One like historical thing, and the thing that would that would probably draw me in would be, um, is it all just trench warfare stuff or is it, you know, um, different battlefields? Like, are we talking like, is there a Gallipoli stuff? Is there? Well, sir, let me know? explain to you a game. <laughs> now, well, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail. Did you? Okay. I didn't tell you to ask me that question, correct? You did. You did not tell me to answer that question. And to be fair, I even told you when we first started talking about this, that I wanted to bring up World War One historical gaming. So just so happens that uh, there was a game I worked on with uh, Firelock Games. They do Blood okay. and Plunder. It's called Blood and Valor. Okay. You can hit No Dice, No Glory. I think we have eight or nine or ten stories about it. We actually did a whole podcast on it. Oh, but nice. one of the things that... Now, I can say Rufus and Kai asked me to join them, but no, I begged them uh, to come on. But one of the things that... I enjoyed doing the most was was putting the world into World War One and, and I always call it Great War. Was yeah. I wanted to have East Africa in there. If you want to read an yeah. amazing story, um, read Mimi and Tutu's Big Adventure, you know we don't cover it. Read anything about von Leto Vorbeck in East Africa, who surrendered because the war was over, not because he was beaten on the battlefield right. and played a hit and run game from all the way from what is now Kenya to Mozambique to the Congo. I mean, pretty crazy for four yeah. years keeping it up. Um, the other thing that we put in the game is the Near East, which is Mesopotamia, yep. which is Palestine, which is Lawrence of Arabia is in the game. Yeah. Cool. Oh, by the way, J.R.R. Tolkien's in the game too. <laughs> of course he is. That's well, awesome. He, he yeah, I know he served. yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that, I thought that was important is they wanted to make a trench raiding game. And I said, look, and I begged and you know, they, they, you know, a lot of it was just telling people about these fascinating stories that happened during the great war. Yeah. I, I have some 
some, I have a lot of great war 28 millimeter miniatures. Yeah. I have some Russians and I have some Germans with pickle halbers. I am building a trench set, but for demo. Yeah. I'm actually going to probably leave it at a store somewhere near here. But I have no desire to paint up a 1917 French army to fight or 16 army to fight in Verdun against Germans. Right. I want to play Near East because I have yeah. a whole Turkish army. Um, we also wrote the Anzacs in there fighting. We, we wrote forces just for Gallipoli. Which, if you look at the rest of the game, everything else is for large swaths of the war. Yeah. But we wrote something just from April of 1915 to January 1916. And it's, you know, um, Ataturk's in there. Yeah, cool. And cool. it is, I will, I will get you some information on it. But the thing that folks should realize is that it was a world war. It was fought everywhere. And let me, give you, let me give you a little spoiler. We started working on book two. Oh. Yes. Really? And book two will put the rest of the world in the game. So Italy, Austria, Hungary, Bulgaria, yeah. Bulgaria Romania, Serbia. Yeah. Now, when I say oh, dude, Russia. You're speaking my language right now. And, you know, the thing is, is I'm smack in the middle of 1916 right now. So this is all going down, right? And I'm sitting here going like. It'd be great to have an Austro-Hungarian battle against the Italians, and you know, um, you in, need you in, need a mountain map, though. Exactly, exactly. I, I used so, to live not too far from from where you know Isonzo Valley. Yeah. When I was stationed in Italy, and it's awesome. But you know, people are like, well, is Russia going to be in the book? Well, you have Imperial Russians, you got White Russians, you got Red right. Russians, you got Green Russians. You you're going to have Poles. The game is, and then we're going to do an, a little thing where it, uh, we may look at bringing some of the other armies into 1919 so you can fight the Allied okay. armies in. So we're really going to cover a lot of Waterfront, maybe Japanese, maybe some Chinese warlords. But the rules work so well for that early bolt action period. Yeah. Bolt action, as in the rifle, not the game, right. of, of history, um, that it, it's, it, it's going to be a really good game. One thing I'll just have to say is, you know, go to the Facebook group, join it. Um, but everybody wants to add their own little thing in the game. Like, oh, it has to have airplanes. No, folks, please. But armored cars are going to be put into the game. So, I mean, I will. I, I actually bought an extra book. I will get it to you somehow. Um, but that is a great period because what attracts you about fantasy is the is the backstory. Yes, which is all, it's all made up, and these larger-than-life heroes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. And Great War has that. It 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 really does. We put every force has some very unusual characters in the game. Um, heroes, Lawrence of Arabia. You know, like right. I mentioned, Ataturk, von Leto Vorbeck, uh, Meinzer Heigen. He was British, believe it or not. It, it's in there. So if I am trying to convince a fantasy player, I'm probably going to hit him with something like blood and valor because I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be a total paradigm shift from what they're used to. Yeah. I think they can take that knowledge that they have on, on tactics playing with uh, fantasy and then bring it into the great war. Cause the skirmish game, at the end of the day is a skirmish game, right? Right. It is just the Chroman mechanics of it. So 
you, sir, will uh, once this whole thing ends, we'll have to play. I need to. I and we've been talking about it, and you know, the, here's here's the here's the paradox of where we're at right now, right? The paradox. The paradox of where we are at. Um, before we had proximity and ability to play together um, in terms of you know being able to get together and actually do it, and but we had no time. Right. Our kids were busy. We were busy. Yeah. Things are going. Now we have all the time in the world, but no we way no to proximity. get <laughs> No proximity. Right. And, so, and yeah. I'm going to follow up with two other games. Yeah, please. Because please do. I am. I am all about like knowing that our hobby is kind of like heroin addiction. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to try to find different crack to get you in. So there's folks that um, I'm never going to play a miniatures game. Um, I how about Old West? Oh, dude, I did not even know there was an Old West miniatures game, and I love the Old West. Gunfighters I mean, Hall. I'm from Nevada, right? So yes. I lived in the Old West. Well, kind of, not the Old West. I lived Gunfighters in Ball, uh, written by uh, my friend Forrest. Okay, is a an amazing fun game. Um, maybe four models per side. Some of the models oh, you you know because they're they're. Which is cool about the game is, and I'll 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 send you the, the Greenhorn Starter Kit. Um, it's from Knuckle Duster Games. Tell Forrest no dice, no glory sent you. Um, it has historical characters. You could fight OK Corral with all the actual people that were there. Oh, but sweet. then they, but then they have some uh, odd named characters like uh, Mungo. <laughs> and Mungo, Mungo only pawn in Game of Life. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you have like uh, what's it? Uh, Sisk, not because he was the Waco kid, but it was something else. Yeah. So, so if you like movies, yep, they're kind of in there too. Uh, you have the um, the pasta westerns, the yes, Luini western it. set. Yeah. So you you can buy every one of. Um, you got like the man with no name, and uh, yeah. you know, yeah, I yeah. love it. And then they have the duck, which is the Duke. Right. Yep. Now I could say this because I don't know for sure that Forrest did that, but uh, you could tell that he was inspired by a lot of uh, pop culture movies. Yeah. So I I really think Old West, um, and it is a fun game. I play it with my um, Blood and Plunder terrain because it's all like that old Spanish. Okay. Okay. But it, if you ever see and you see a bunch of guys around a four by four table with chips and cards, they're not playing poker. That's the other cool thing about the game. It's almost oh. like an old-fashioned poker game because yeah. you use you use cards and you use chips. So you can play poker afterwards. And it's it's a great game for and I will send you the greenhorn edition of the rules knuckleduskerminiatures.com um to play and I think that is a a good way to get somebody into something historical. And then the other game is something that I kind of put off playing for a while but Steve Merga Jones who I love, who uh, I was introduced to the guys from Firelock as he was moving up to the D.C. area. But that guy's a drug dealer. Uh, he got me into Test of Honor, which is um, Japanese war bands, yeah. samurai, ninja. Once again, I may not get you to play and move a panzer around a table right. because you think eh, it's historical, it's geeky. But who doesn't like a pulpy type ninja samurai game i think Listen, those two when, games yeah when you sent me the pictures of uh, in the link to the website for that uh, for that game 
I was like, these are some cool models. Oh, and they just, are great models. And just to put them together and paint them and say, like, here's my samurai army. Let's say I never play it, which, I mean, again, I told you how I got into playing tabletop wargaming. I started by painting the models. And I said, I love these models so much, I want to see them in action on the table. That's <laughs> Honestly, that may be the way to get me into this, right? Be like, hey, check out these cool models and try painting it, you know, and uh, kind of get into it from there. I uh, I... I'm excited to try these. I really am. Um, I, I like the idea of a great war. How many models are in a great war game, would you say? Um, you can get it by with 25. 25? That's not a lot. I'm telling you, I've got my Night Hunt army had, uh, just off the top of my head, probably 120 models. Yeah, you see, that's a lot. So what I did was two years ago, maybe this is why I don't paint anymore, is I wanted to play... 28 millimeter uh, Napoleonics. Yep. So I have 115 Brits, artillery, cavalry, infantry, lights. Yep. I have 120 or so French. And I wanted to use it for sharp practice. I wanted to use it for um, black powder. I wanted uh -huh. to use it for chosen men. There's so many great, because I already have 15 millimeter Napoleonics. Yeah. And I, I painted it. They're the worst looking models I've ever painted. Um, well, they're 15-millimeter, man. Those are so small. No, these are 28s. Oh, 28s. Okay, 28s. Oh, 28. yeah. I sent, I sent my 15s to uh, Fernando in Sri Lanka. Okay, all right. You know, just because, you know, it has to look good. And I think that's a good crack. And then there's other different types of genres of gaming, and I'm, I'm, pu I'm pushing all the games I help work on, like Heart of Leviathan. Essentially, it's X-Wing with Dreadnought period battleships. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, go to imagestudios.us uh, and they're beautiful models. But there's so many games that can get fantasy players, I think, into historicals. Now, there's a lot of guys yeah. we probably don't want from that community. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll say this too, and, and this is just a little plug. I think the bad rap for some of the fantasy um, games comes primarily from the 40K crowd. Um, I, I wasn't going to say anything. I don't I, want you putting a hit yeah. out on me. <laughs> I'll say it because I'm an Age of Sigmar player, and I can tell you that for the most part, the community is really awesome, actually. And I think it goes to the fact that um, it used to be Warhammer Fantasy, right? And then three years ago, they ended up changing their complete IP, right? And started doing Age of Sigmar, and they kind of redid the entire world redid the entire way you play models. I mean, the models are all new and everything like that. And so they kind of redid everything. But the interesting thing is when they first started out with Age of Sigmar, they um, didn't have any points that you would use for a tournament. You would just say, like, well, I want to bring, like, four of these units and three of those ones. So what are you going to bring? And like, well, three of those and maybe one big one of those. And you're like, okay, well, let's play. And you just have these like lopsided games because nobody knew what like what kind of parity was happening, right? Um, when you're putting your list together or whatever. So um, I think that that drove a lot of the real kind of competitive, fun people, quote mm -hmm. unquote, you know, to the arms of the 40k crowd. And it left the other people who just wanted to have a good time. And, I mean, who could still be competitive a little bit, but didn't want, like, the, you know, kind of the jerk crowd. And that changed the culture of Age of Sigmar. So, kind now, of interesting. Age of Sigmar is a game. So, let's let's flip the question around and I'll answer it. Sure. You know, 
Never answer your own question. Um, what would it take to get me into a fantasy game? Well, I play them. And I can yeah. tell you what attracts me to a rule set. One is um, John Russell from Warlord Games tells you it's the best game ever. You play it with him, and he gets you so excited about playing it that yeah. you buy uh, Strontium Dog, which now has the Judge Dread upgrade to it. So it's an amazing game system. Once again, very sci-fi-ish, but a great war game. Yeah. Uh, the other one is um, was Malifaux. Now, right. I have a full Malifaux guild army, which now that they're on a totally different version, I don't even know if it's any good. So if anybody out there wants to buy a full-up Malifaux army, all the cards, third edition, give me a, or second edition, give me a call. Because I never really played it, but yeah. I like the, the card mechanic. Yep. So if it's a tight rule system with just a few models, guess what? I'll play it. One yeah. is because it plays quickly. Two, tight mechanics. Yep. Three, you know, I mean, my guild stuff, I really was into painting that because it was fantasy. And I know that in fantasy, you have more freedom to paint um, stuff because yeah. it's not, unless it's like Judge Dredd, it has to be a certain color. You know, uh, that's what would get me into a game like that. So right. there's always give and take. You know, I can't say it's not my thing. I used to always say, yeah, you know, I'm never going to play Ancients or anything from Renaissance. Well, right. guess what? That's that's BS. <laughs> I'm never going to play Pike and Shot. Well, Blood and Plunder. Yeah. I'm never going to play. You know, never say you're never going to play something because this is important for you going to do that at a future. Time, it, it, right? it it just means that whoever you said that in front of is just going to give you a hard time. But it's yeah. you know, I think tight rules, really good rules, will always pull people in. Um, and a so, lot of it I, is yeah. the competition. Well, yeah, and I think that's the second part that I was just going to add right there is that the reason I ended up sticking with Age of Sigmar is I got pulled literally by the hand into a community that was active, right? They're saying it's a playing, tight game. We're playing every Thursday night. We're playing every, you know, at this time. If you can make it show up, we'll find a game for you. You now know, is Age of Sigmar on TTS. It is. It is, and it's gotten better. Um, right. There's there's some people that have put some effort into creating tables that are scripted so you can push buttons and it sets up whole scenarios for you. All right, um, so I'm going to do this. Out. I'm going to say this. One time in the next few weeks, one night, take me through Age of Sigmar. Oh, I've, I've, I have I've did it with a new guy the other day, and we had a great time. Take my credit cards away, though. I will not buy <laughs> I cannot. Because how many models are in Age of Sigmar? Oh, there's a lot. There's yeah, I, yeah. I would I, say your cheap army, like to field. So there's a two thousand point army, which is a full army, right? And there's a thousand point army, which is what we would start with, which is like a little skirmish style, right? Well, gamers never go half assed. How much would it cost me to? How many models are in a two thousand point army? It it varies by the army. Some are horde armies. Some are like elite armies, right? I would say your average army is probably going to run you six to seven hundred dollars. All right. All right. I, you know, that's, that may not dissuade me. That may. It's because may you've been in the gaming business a lot to know, right? I mean, well, no, I, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, devs from Age of Sigmar. Here I am. I'm going to try your game for free. But if I like it, I am spending $700. Yeah. I have to say it low in the house <laughs> I, I, to pick that game up because you'll hook me. Yeah. And I think that is the most important thing. So let's go back to our previous segment devs because sometimes they listen if you want to hook guys that 
and let's be honest, you know, you know, Grogs, man, they're in for a nickel, they're in for a dollar. I mean, yeah. that's how they are. If yep. you, if, if Justin could take me through that game and show me how amazing it is, you, you're damn right that when this whole thing's over, I'll have a fully up painted army. Yeah. yeah. I'm not learning another language, though. I will say this before we play Age of Sigmar, I want you to try Warcry. Warcry is game Games Workshop's Age of Sigmar skirmish game. Same models. In fact, you use the same models from your 2,000-point armies in Warcry. But obviously it's less models. It's less models, so you may only have, like, five on the board. You know what I mean? It's a what different... is the scale for Sigmar? It's 28 mil, right? Uh, 28 millimeter, yes. Well, actually, I think they're hero size, so that's, like, what, 32 mil? Yeah, yeah. No, much. no, it's it's like twenty eight mil. It's like twenty. They're like the big. They're like the bigger, beefier ones, you know. So, um, yeah, I think that's twenty eight mil. Anyway, um, but you know, the Warcry, it's a different rule set, but it gives you, I think, a very good flavor of what Age of Sigmar is, you know, because it's still got that sort of narrative behind it. You know, the worlds are combined. So what I say is, let's try it, and then let's yep. come on and talk yep. about it. Sounds good to me. You know, I will pick it. I'll tell you what, we'll do this. And and folks, make sure you hold us to this. I will try one of these games Justin mentioned. I will get him to try some of the games that I probably mentioned during this podcast. And let's see if we can um, share and convert. Oh, I like it. You like that? I like it a lot. It's crazy. Absolutely. We may get a lot of hate mail. We get a lot of hate mail. That's okay. It's all right. right. I you mean, know, I've heard some I'm horrible shit. Yeah, I'm not a GW guy. Died to the wall. I, I'm sure that your, uh, you know, listeners may have a love hate relationship with GW, but you know, it is what it is. Well, you know, it it is what it is. It's a big gaming industry. They're they're the they're the they're the gorilla in the room, right? Right now, yeah. they're the they're the wizards of the coast uh, in terms of fantasy. You know, fantasy, yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, let's just see how they come out of it. I know they have a big price increase coming up next week. It, which, which, by the way, was paired within two days of, um, like, the announcement of that was paired within two days of the new edition, the ninth edition of 40K. And that was not, I mean, you and I both know that was not done on a whim. You know, boom, price increase. What? Are you kidding me? Boom, new edition for the game. What? People lost their minds over it and totally forgot about the price increase until they go to buy stuff next week. Yeah, well, I guarantee it's not going to dissuade them. So look, so we got homework now. Yes, we do. So we're going to have to do this. So where can they find this podcast on? Awesome. On... Yeah, so we are Tabletop and Beyond. Uh, best places to go, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I would normally tell you Google Play Music, but for some reason we don't come up in the search there. Our feed is there. But we're not coming up in the search. I think they're kind of goofy with their whole switching to Google Podcast right now. Yeah. Um, so I would say go look us up on Spotify, iTunes, uh, or sorry, iHeartRadio. Uh, and Facebook. You know, Where are you on Facebook? Uh, Tabletop and Beyond. Tabletop right. and Beyond. So uh, check us out. And I, yeah. And for the No Dice, No pl- Glory people, I will have links to all this. Uh, we are NoDiceNoGlory.com. Uh, yep. we, we cover wargaming roll by roll spelled differently in each case but uh dude <laughs> i've known you for a long time yeah and you know here's a funny thing we should share with people so we coach for what four or five years together yes absolutely and, yeah and it wasn't until you asked where i was yep. and you were told that i was at historicon playing little army guys no that, that we was, realized 
Yeah, that, we, that wasn't the words that your wife said. But <laughs> the but words, yeah. yeah, what'd she say? The words your wife said were, oh, he's up in Pennsylvania playing with his little plastic men. <laughs> and for all this time, we didn't know that we shared this hobby, no. which I tell you what, man, and I've said this before to gamers that like, I find no one to play with. We are not advocates of this of this hobby to others. We are the worst advocates because we we worry we worry about people making fun There's of us for playing. There's, There's a stigma. stigma. Yeah. There's a total stigma there. And I'll tell you what, in the last few years I have totally gotten away from that because I can't grow the hobby. I can't grow the excitement unless dude, this is what I do. And you know something? It's not like I'm not proud of it. Right. And luckily, you know, a year and a half ago, I got a job where I could talk about it all the time because, you know, I run war games for the Air Force. Yeah. And people are like, oh, you know, something about gaming. And I go, here's my war gaming business card. You know, this is where you reach me yeah. in the Air Force. Bam. Here's my no dice, no glory card. And I'll tell you what, man, people are like, oh, that's pretty cool. You that's know, it's, it's funny. I, I've, I told you I've been working half on, half off during this quarantine thing, right? Because I right. have a job where I'm sort of essential. I'm half essential. <laughs> so, wow! Yeah, exactly. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even. Yeah. <laughs> that was said tongue in cheek, you know. Anybody so. that's met the two of us, if <laughs> if we are half of anything, we're still full of something else. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so um, so I went in like uh on Monday, right, of this last week, and um, my boss comes in and she's just like, oh, this is you know, this has been the worst week. I need to find a hobby or something. She looks at me and she goes. What do you do in your off time? And I was not prepared for that question, to be honest with you, like just to be thrown at me like that. And I'm like, I paint little figures. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was the lamest thing. And she looked at me like, you do what? And I had to explain. I pulled up my Instagram account. I'm like, this is what I do. And she's like, wow, that's really cool. But I could tell she's like, I don't, I did not expect this from him at all because I don't yeah. really talk about it at work, you know, but. Uh, I bring I bring yeah. my minis in, and people that listen know I've I've had everybody at work get into it because it it's very related to what we do at work. And you know, if I want to teach you mechanics, it's boring just to sit there and go over what game mechanics are like from an Orsa's right. point of view. Yeah. I, I'll have you play a damn game and then see what fun it is. So yeah. one thing that we just have to do is, you know, because let's be honest. Okay, ladies out there, if you're single, go to a gaming tournament. There's a lot of single guys that are shy, but they have yeah. a lot of disposable income. Go. Yeah. Okay? Because you could tell the good-looking ones. And out of like 3,000 people, which is a small con or a mid-sized con, there's going to be a couple of people that you're interested in. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, I remember saying somebody came up to me. It was at Nova Open. And they're like, are you staying in the hotel? I go, no, because they thought like I didn't belong there because I, I was with a lot of dudes and they're friends of mine and I didn't appreciate this. Well, I, you look more normal than they do. I go, well, yeah. let me tell you something. They're more normal than I am, regardless of what we look like. Um, you know, it's when people realize that like all walks of life do this. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, and it's I once looked at the demographics and it's uh, it's usually um, uh White males, college educated between the ages of um, 24 and like probably in their mid 50s. Yeah. But that's historicals. But we need to be better um, stewards 
of our hobby. Now, I didn't mention it to you just because it really never came up. Not because I was embarrassed, because I'm generally not. Uh, Just never came up because we were doing something else. Yeah, I mean, we were focused on coaching kids, and then usually, honestly, by the end of it, I'm like, I need to. I don't drink, for the record, but I'm like, I need to go get a drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this is him not on not on drink, but uh, I look forward to us playing, yeah, and uh, talking again. And I, I want to meet your uh, your co-hosts. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to um, do another and one it, of these and have them have them on when they're not so, super busy. Yeah, and then when you guys, what I'd like to offer to you guys is that if you guys record one, just the three of you guys, uh-huh. shoot me one of your episodes that okay. you think is very cool. I Let me throw it on my our feed because uh, I want folks to kind of, you know, hear other voices as well as maybe they, I think they'll find what you guys have to say interesting. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit different. I mean, we cover a little bit of wargaming, like I said, but um, going into the RPGs and board games a little bit more. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that do exclusive wargaming, but there's also a lot of people out there that game with their families or game with yeah. other friends that aren't into, you know, doing full-on wargaming. Yeah. Well, we just, so. there was a girl that was posting uh, the, uh, she does the one-minute board game review. Okay. Sarah Shaw. And I said, look, I love your videos. Can I post them on No Dice, No Glory? And she was like, yeah. And, you know, there's just so much out there. There's so much good. Yeah. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, I got to get up and go to work. So I can't I can't play tonight. But yeah. uh, we, the next time you hear our two voices together again, we will be telling you about our our um, swinging. Is, can we call it swinging? Sure, game swinging. Sure. Ga- sure. A game swinging. And we'll see how it went. Um, I'm going to look at your games from the standpoint of historical war gamer. Okay. I want, I want you to look at mine from, from a fantasy war gamer. Awesome. And be we'll critical. Do. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, man, I'm going to turn it back to Sean, but okay. this was fun. Thank you for having me on here. Thanks for, no, you know, thanks for having me. Actually, this was, you know, you invited me. But I, I thought your compatriots were just going to play Stump the Dummy with me. So <laughs> so I was like just getting ready. Like, oh, what the what the hell are these guys going to ask me all day and this and that. But no, this turned out well. Next um, time. Th- this was the ease you in to the Stump the Dummy session. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll look forward to it. And uh, you could find us at NoDiceNoGlory.com. And uh, yeah, just Tabletop and Beyond. Yeah, Tabletop and Beyond on Facebook is probably the easiest place to look for it. All right. Well, now back to the studio.